to hear a revolution in talk radio, Liberty Talk Radio, where the critical thinking will defrag your mind of propaganda-ridden viruses induced by mass media news programming. No BS here, just the facts. And now we present to you America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In talk radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Well, folks, today we have as our guest in the studio, Aaron Janda. He's among a generation of creators, influencers, and entrepreneurs, my type of guy. Aaron is a successful business owner and influencer who has created multiple streams of income for his family and is helping empower others to do the same. We applaud that. His book, My $100 Project, reaches audiences among the old and the new and the young, everyone. <laughs> it, it challenges readers to think outside the box concerning money and gives them the basic insight into the mind of an investor, and we are all investors, whether we want to believe that or not. I don't care, Republican, Democrat, liberal, you're, you're an investor. No matter how you think, you're an investor. Right? Uh, and, uh, Aaron inspires readers to take $100 and multiply it into $1,000 and beyond. And you can do that legally, believe it or not, during our live broadcast, call in with your questions, your comments, 646-652-4620. That's 646-652-4620. If you call, uh, you can just listen, or you can dial 1 to indicate to us that you want to ask a question or, or make a comment. Right, and we do look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to our show, Aaron. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Joe. I'm glad to be here. Great. I remember... Yeah. Well, we've had a lot of conversations at the coffee shop, haven't we? We sure have. Yeah. Well, you know, folks, those of you who know me, and there's a lot of people, who, unfortunately, who do, do, do know me, know that uh, one thing that absolutely grabs me, and I've talked about this a thousand times in various different ways, is when people say, I cannot find a job. That mentality is incorrect. The mentality is that I cannot work. Now, you can only cannot work if you're in the hospital with broken bones and you're on a, on a, on a life support. Other than that, you can always find work. And the problem that I see in America today is we went from a producing, saving economy to a um, spending and going into debt economy. And uh, unfortunately, with the government help, we don't even have to work anymore, and we can make probably more money than the poor guy who's struggling to make a living and feed his family. Well, this book here, My $100 Project, is going to break that paradigm that we're in today, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Aaron, tell us something about yourself and tell us whatever motivated you to write this booklet. By the way, it's a booklet. It's very easy to read, and it's fun. You know, he could have made this a 500-page book if he wanted to, but it's succinct, easy to read, and it's sort of like a, uh, I guess it's a working Bible, if you will, right? Right, it's a short book. Bucket, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so take a look at this. Tell us about yourself and how you got where you are. Sure. Well, uh, my wife and I were actually from Seattle, Washington, and uh, had started my first business up there in 2012, a cabinet refinishing business. And uh, en ended up doing pretty well. 
and uh, we were there for uh, building the business for about a year and a half, uh, and then I trained up some people to run it, and uh, my wife and I felt like we were supposed to head back to Tulsa, because I'd lived here in the past, um, had some relationships and different things, and and so so on on our way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, this is just a couple of years ago, and you know, we, we got down here and, you know, it's like you, you drain your savings account to move and living expenses until you get settled and all those different things. And so we were on a shoestring budget, to say the least. And uh, and and so actually it was funny. I was going to a, a financial workshop, believe it or not, you know, knowing something needed to change in our finances, needing to get ahead again now that we've moved across the country. And I found a $100 bill in the parking lot. Ah, so that's so I found a hundred dollar bill, and you know my first thought was, what can I do with this hundred dollars to, or well, no, actually my first thought was, what can I go blow it on, <laughs> you know, take my wife out to dinner, something out of the ordinary. That's right, right. right. And so, um, you know, I, I go into the lobby of the hotel there, and I'm looking at this hundred, and I'm like, well, I could blow it, and it's gone. Poof. What, what could I do if I took that hundred and multiplied it into a thousand? So that's that's how the idea was birthed, uh, you know, with different experience with working with youth and you know different things like that. I was like, there's some to this. I think if I if I journaled my progress and took this on as a project, it could be something that could help other people down the road. Well, most people would not have thought of that way. Most people would have said, oh boy, I'm going to go to steak and ale with my wife and have steak and lobster or something like that, and and say, you know, life is short, enjoy it while you can. I mean, this is the mentality yeah. today. This is the mentality that drives me nuts. Now, I'm only 72 and a half years old. I know your wife still flirts with me, yeah. but I'm 72 and a half years old. <laughs> I tease her all the time, by the way. You know, I wish she would flirt with me, but she doesn't. But, um, you know, and, and, and yet here I am at 72, but I'm still thinking the same way. See, if I found the $100, I would have thought exactly like you did, but I would have said, how could I invest this? I would have thought of a $100 project. I'm not that smart. But I... I would not have spent it. I right. would have said, there's something about this $100 that's going to make things even better tomorrow for me because I got a lot of tomorrows because I'm living forever. Yeah. I, this, this earth is going <laughs> to keep me forever, I'm telling you, these poor people, you know? Uh, so, um, but your thinking was different than I would say 90% of the, what I would call the newer generation, they would take it and blow it within three hours. Sure. Right? What made you think that way versus, what do you think made you think that way versus the traditional thinking? To be honest, I, I'm, I'm a visual person, and so I kind of imagined in my head, I said, if I was, what could I really get with $100, right? You know, maybe go buy a jacket or, you know, something like I said, dinner, something like that. But I saw, instead of one $100 bill, I saw 10 laid out. And so I kind of had this thought, whatever I would go blow it on today, I could buy several of tomorrow essentially so okay so it was just that that idea of being able to do more with it where'd you get that thinking from you know i mean i had already started and run a successful business so i was already kind of you know thinking about you know investing return on investment but i felt like i needed to take it back to the basics and and just and journal my progress every little transaction and and see where it would go and i actually took it in the book i challenge people to take 100 to 1000 but i actually took it up to over 2300 bucks yeah. from that that single right. 100 dollar bill right um, 
so yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what caused me to think that way. It was just again just that quick visual. Well, if you work for the government, you wouldn't have thought that way because not only <laughs> would you have blown the money, but the money's not even yours. <laughs> if you found it, it was somebody else's anyway. I mean, and when you get paid, it's somebody else's money anyway. So it's never your money. So you don't treat it as your money. And that's what I that's why I think government should have no money whatsoever, you know, because they won't do what you do. Right? They, they would do the exact opposite. They would blow it and most likely blow it on something totally unnecessary and, and then put the taxpayer in debt. So you're the antithesis of what our government is, aren't you? You're the antithesis of our government. So, okay, I applaud you for that. All right, now, so a person now, you're encouraging people to take $100. Now, it doesn't have to be $100, does it? No, no. It, I mean, in my book, I'm saying, you know, you may only have 10 20 30 I guess it really co- depends where you're coming from. Uh, you know, you just may have to get a little bit more creative on what you can buy and sell, for instance. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you're a sixth grader, you could, I mean, I used to do stuff like this when I was young, you know. You you buy a, a sack of popsicles or blow pops or whatever for two fifty, and then you sell them for 50 cents each and you've you quadrupled your money or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, you just may have to get a little bit more creative, but yeah. Whatever, whatever you can start with. You well, can. I mean, you literally could have could have called this, you know, my ten cents, right? <laughs> I mean, really, you could buy something for ten cents and and, and turn it over uh-huh. for twenty cents uh-huh. or fifteen cents. Sure. It could be really any amount, but a hundred dollars is a good place to start. Yeah. Right. Is there anything magical about a hundred dollars, or is that just, or just because you found the hundred dollars? Well. I found the hundred dollars. I, I think there is something cool about a hundred dollar bill, right? And then, um, you know, as we, you know, talk a little bit more about even, you know, towards the end of when people reach the end of their project, the, the additional challenge that I give them, there's something nice about a hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, it's I like it. Yeah. Well, I like your math because um, you talk about a, a, a situation where a person was given a, a choice between. Uh, what a thousand dollars a day? Thousand uh, dollars a day for a month, for a month or or they uh, uh, starting with a penny and doubling it for thirty one days. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that because that's an old parable, isn't it? With a king or something like that, with a grain of salt, a, a grain. Of, um, um, there was something similar to that. I, I I don't recall exactly where I read it, but a, a person, uh, uh, the king wanted to bestow some favor on. Uh, on a, a subject that had done something good for the for, for the kingdom. And he said, well, I want to give you, you know, and he said, well, just give me one grain of rice, you know, and double it the next day just for one month. And the king said, well, I want to give you more than that. He said, no, that's enough. Tell us your story. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I'm not exactly sure where I remember. I just remember when I was taking on this project to formulate a book and just try to put it into simple understanding, Yeah. I remembered that, you know, story. Uh, well, not the one you're speaking of, but I remember mm-hmm. the, you know, doubling a penny. Right. I was like, how did that go again? So I got my calculator out and I start punching it out. And, you know, it doesn't seem like much. Oh, yeah. You right. know, after the first or second week, you know, it's, I mean, 10 bucks, you know, $20 and some change. I think it's $60, you know, after the second week or something like that. And I compared two friends, you know. One had... Uh, you know, at the end of two weeks at 14 grand, right? Or the other one was just under $100 still. But then once you got into that fourth week, you were at 10,000 and then you start doubling that every day. That last week is where you make the majority of your money. So, um, 
I thought that just made it really simple, you know, for people to understand the power of really making your money work for you right. as opposed to, and the power of multiplication right. as opposed to just, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that you can't, you know, save and squirrel away. That's good. That's a good starting point. But if you can get your money to work for you, it'll multiply exponentially. Right. And I think the end result was like uh, the person who doubled their money, the penny, mm-hmm. wound up with about $10 million? It was, yeah, it was over just $10 million. Over $10 million. And the other person had... So 31000 31000 Yeah, 000. quite a difference. You know, there's there really, even in the financial community, of which I consider myself sort of a, on the fringe of the financial community, because I, I love finance and I love money, okay? I'm like Mr. Wonderful, oh, you know, wow. in, in Star Shark Tank, you know? Um, but... Uh, uh, um, they they say the eighth wonder of the world is having a high dividend stock, you know, which in which you reinvest on a quarterly basis, you know, in an IRA. Okay. They said it's the eighth wonder of the world because if you had stocks and there's a, a, a way of doing it, you don't hold the same stock all the time, but you hold them for long periods of time, usually unless the company goes bankrupt, over a long period of time, you wind up with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I guess in both cases, it requires one thing. It requires that you delay instant gratification. And I tell everyone, because I'm an yeah. investor, all right? I have investment in mines around the world. I have lost that amount of money. I won't even say it because if I say it, I will start crying and people will see me cry. I don't oh, want anyone well. to see me cry, okay? However, and, and friends ask me, how do, you, how do you tolerate these losses? And I'm talking seven-figure losses, okay? Um, and I say, it's easy. I said, because I am delaying instant gratification. The investments that I have are not in some wild-ass idea that, you know, may never come to fruition and, you know, who's buying crazy stuff on the side to make themselves feel good and now I'm going to lose it all. These are valid companies. I said... When this time comes, I love, I love the saying of J.P. Morgan, you buy when there's blood in the street. So what I did is I doubled up on my investments on those companies that were solid, paying dividends, you know, whatever. And I did without for the past four or five years that way. And all of a sudden, just, just in the past couple of months, it's starting to turn around. And people said, well, how did you do that? I said, you have to understand that you need to delay instant gratification. In your case, I suspect, I find the $100, go out, you know, have a few beers with my friends, buy my, you know, girl a drink or whatever the case may be, have a great time. The next morning I have a hangover and not a dime in my pocket, right? But if you do what you're saying, it's a process that you're delaying this instant gratification and you're constantly, but that becomes a habit. When you delay instant gratification, for example, like we were talking about new cars and whatever, you know, I'm delaying buying a new car, and I have for the past 19 years. <laughs> and because that money, that what I put in there, right now are in mining companies overseas that are going to make me a fortune. I hope make me a fortune. <laughs> I sure. may go broke, but, you know, you never know. And, and I guess, is, is the principle the same, what, what I'm saying and what, what you are saying? Absolutely. And, you know, when I, when, I, when I came up with this project, I specifically want to reach out to the younger generation, right, that's coming up, that maybe wasn't brought up the way that you were brought up, or even me, you know, as a younger, um, you know, gentleman. But it's absolutely that. We live in a generation where it's, 
It's instant gratification every day. I want the no no uh, no barriers of restriction whatsoever. You know, so if we can teach the younger people how to delay gratification and 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 realize that hey, if you if you sacrifice a little up front, and you'll hear that among most entrepreneurs and business coaches, you know, it's all about delaying gratification. But if we can empower them to do that at a young age, like you said, it's a it, you get into the habit of doing it, right? And you, you'll start to see the fruit of that, you know, in no time. So, yeah. and you know, I I think the epitome of of uh, excusing money for what it is is I was in the parking lot uh, where Coles department store is and we parked behind a car a guy got out of his car had his i guess an ashtray or a cup or something and he had a about 40 50 pennies in it and he dumped it on the floor he emptied it and my wife and i looked at him well my wife knows me i mean a penny does not go by you know and i said i can't believe he did that i mean it was just pennies you know well i think there were 47 pennies there now don't think for a minute that I got on my hands and knees on the parking lot and picked up every one. Don't you even go. Of course I did that, you know. <laughs> and I stood there, and my wife was looking at me. She said, only you would do that. And in there, there were 23 copper pennies. I said, each copper penny is worth three times the value of the copper in the penny. I said, we just, we just hit a gold mine, you know. <laughs> but but th- th- people don't think that way anymore. Uh, why is it? Why don't people, uh, young people... Think entrepreneurial. A hundred years ago, they all thought that way. They were all thinking, "How could I survive?" You know, the 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 ethnic ghetto that I was in. I lived in an Italian, Italian ghetto in Harlem. You know, I mean, we all, you know, and we always thought about what are we going to do to get out of this ethnic ghetto or or improve ourselves. There were people making lots of money, but there were a lot of people starving. Not starving, but not doing well at all. No one really starved, but people weren't doing well at all. And everyone wanted to be get out of the environment that they were in because they, they, they knew there were better places. What happened? <clears throat> you know, when I look at even some of the, uh, when we look at the the plans, the the goals that people set for themselves now, I mean, even, you know, as far as, um, you know, graduating high school, going to college, getting a job, working there for 20 or 30 years, retiring from that, you know, that that well laid out plan that worked 20 or 30 years ago doesn't necessarily work today you know it's it the the economy uh is is shifting um you know the model is changing so i think we are i do believe even though there's you know maybe you know whether there has been a lot or not uh, not as much entrepreneurial ventures i i believe that we're going to start seeing more of it because people are going to be forced to have to think outside the box right. to acquire that same level of success that maybe their folks did by, you know, going to college and getting a job. Because in the corporate world now, I mean, you could be, you could have a suite, uh, you know, corner office and, you know, two, three years time, you're gone. Somebody else is in there. That's you know, right. there's no guarantees. Right. So we really have to uh, enable the young people to see this. That they can really take that uh, that power and put it in their own hands and you know and you know hit the ground running well it's interesting that i'm thinking along the same lines that you are because when i graduated college i went to pace and pace was a financial business accounting college very very highly thought of in the business community in new york 
there was always some high muckety muck in some corporation that was a Pace graduate, and if they saw a Pace graduate, they would suck you right into the company and give you a job. I had I had a job before I graduated, no problem whatsoever because I went to Pace. You know, there was always somebody. I had no trouble getting a job. Today, that would be virtually impossible. And but that was my mindset. You went to college. You know, you didn't do all the hard manual work that my father did. You got a good office job. You got a good job. And I did. I got a, well, <laughs> I made $362.50 a month, okay? And that was a good job back then. And I was the sa- uh, advertising and sales promotion coordinator for AMC stores. I mean, a big job. And that's what, and I still, but I still save $5 a week. <laughs> that's strange, you know, but and and I'm and this is fourteen forty Broadway. I mean, high rent district, and I lived in New York. I mean, wow. the, the time. My point being, the times have changed so dramatically, but it seemed that our mentality has gone in the opposite direction. Instead of trying to stay ahead of all of the negative, all the obstacles that are facing people today that I didn't have, people are not hurtling those obstacles. They're retreating. They're getting worse. And it, 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 am I just getting too old? <laughs> is my mind rotting or something? Or is, or is that your perspective as well? No, I, I, I completely see it. People are rolling over, so to speak. And just, you know, this come see, come saw attitude, whatever will be, will be, which is not what we need to turn this country right. around and get it back to its, you know, innovation, you know, innovational successes, you know, I mean... And there's a there's a good number of big companies that we know of that are doing things, but I I really believe, and I've taken it upon myself to empower the younger generation coming up. They don't really know left from right. They don't know even some of the old systems that don't work and whatnot. And we can come in and encourage and inspire them to say, "Hey, look, what do you have in your hand?" And I, I like that because you know, in in my hundred dollar project i was working with electronics you know so iphones ipads you know buying and selling and then towards the end i got into offering some services but that was what i knew i was comfortable with it i could look at it and say hey i know this if i can get this for this much i can turn around and sell for this so what do you know what are you familiar with what are you passionate about i mean um there's a gal out of dallas uh in a wheelchair actually and so there's some limitations as to what maybe she could do for work but one thing she loves is interior design so she'll go at garage sales and buy and you know some of these you know uh decorative pieces of you know and she knows more than i would know what it's worth and how you know and then turn around and sell it you know and then so i i I actually used her example in the book Uh, i think it was 40 or 45 bucks turned into the over 200 you know and the key people do this all day and all the time but the key is not blowing through what you make that's right right. if you set it aside as you know capital investable capital and i introduce those simple terms just very basic terms right in the business world or in the investment world hold on to that and keep working it let it grow let it grow let it grow and then you you'll get to a point where you can draw maybe 10 or 20 percent and go you know, buy some stuff or, you know, splurge a little bit, but you got to grow that up enough to where you can draw. Right. No, I noticed that the, the forward is by uh, Jim Stovall. Uh-huh. Now, I, I've never met him, but I've, I've seen him on television and heard him on radio and a, a remarkable individual. Now, 
on the surface, you would think Jim Stovall would be a zero. There'd be no opportunity for him. He's b totally blind. I think right out of college, he was he was totally blind. You figure, well, this guy would be in some sort of assisted living place or at home on, uh, you know, Meals on Wheels would be delivering to him, you know, things like that on charity. And yet he's a powerhouse. How did he do that? <laughs> right. So that's exactly why I wanted to, you know, I reached out to him when I was doing this project. I'd read a couple of his books. You don't have to be blind to see. Right. And, you know, and he says something in the book. He says, you know, he's, he says, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but when I had perfect vision, I don't think I finished reading one book ever. He couldn't remember, you know. And then it wasn't until after he became blind that he had this this epiphany and, and you know, and his eyes were open, so to speak, you know. And, uh, um, and, and now he reads like a book a day through audiobooks and different, yeah. you know, channels. But it just amazing. One of the most learned, I mean, he graduated from ORU, uh, <clears throat> and by the time he finished college, exactly, he was he had a degenerative eye disease that he yeah, went completely shame, blind. Yeah. And I think you're you're totally right on. Ninety nine point nine people that are in a similar situation have just kind of taken that as their lot in life and really never knew or saw that they could do anything beyond that. And that's why I wanted to you know pull Jim into the project because he's a perfect example of somebody who you think would not be able yeah. to succeed absolutely can. yeah well, well aren't we trained to say oh this person can't see well or is blind excuse me i got a charlie horse in my foot and she's killing me ah. <laughs> oh that never happened before excuse me ah. here we go uh, but uh, aren't we taught to pity these people right uh to placate them to help them uh in every way shape or form and actually by doing so, we handicap these people. Uh, we we yeah. handle people who we perceive to have handicaps. We give them the handicap instead of assisting them to use their handicap to literally to, to succeed. Just like people who uh, maybe are in a wheelchair are in the Special Olympics, and boy, are they and, they, and they're strong and they they're athletic and the whole bit. But too often we say, oh, poor Johnny's in a wheelchair. Don't get up. Don't do this. I'll get it for you. Don't. Haven't we become an enabling nation where everyone's helping everybody else out because no one is deserving to do it on their own? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I don't know a lot of the statistics, but I know the percentage is rising of people that, you know, have just rolled over and you know they're you know they're receiving a paycheck every month from the government or right. whatever and it it there's no incentive to really go beyond that 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 level and so i you know i'm hoping to you know inspire one of the things that i'd like to do is to you know connect with some of the schools even public schools or um you know uh, alternative schools and just go in and do a couple of workshops with the kids and just see what kind of, let them know that, look, you've got so much on the inside of you. Like, you just have to have, they may just need the help, somebody to, to illuminate that and show them that they can do it too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that they'd be able to take a project, a simple project like this, and take it way farther than I ever did. All right. I, I have a problem in that um, uh, I am the world's biggest critic of our school system the entire school system because I could never understand how you can take 20 or 30 young young children 
who are of really different ages. I mean, they say they're all, you know, seven to eight. But, you know, I've known seven-year-olds to be more like 30 years old, <laughs> the way they think. And I've seen seven-year-olds who are more like three-year-olds. And you put them all in one class just because they fall into an age class. Um, put them in a room, a box, and, and they, they're f- filled with energy and imagination. And you tell them, sit there and don't move. And to me, that's the most unnatural thing in the world. And at the same time, the, the, the parents seem to abdicate their responsibility to educate their children, which is, to me, a parent's responsibility. The schools may help in learning read, basic reading, basic writing, basic arithmetic, the three R's, you know. And after that, get out and do what you're doing. They will learn a lot, and they will learn on their own. Am I way off base from your perspective? Uh, one quote that I, I, I shared in the book, it's by Jim Rohn. He says, a formal education will earn you a living, but self-education will earn you a fortune. And, right. and I think it's, it's, it, it paints a pretty accurate picture. I mean, even like we were talking about earlier about having a career and whatever, it's a nice, nice comfortable living, sure. But the ones that go out and self-educate themselves, they, they you know, whether it's in the technology industry or I mean in entrepreneurial ventures you know they could literally take any business model and study it out I mean I think even Mark Mark Cuban said he's like if it's something you don't know much about learn it there's so much information out right. there and available unfortunately like like you've said I I believe that's true is we've we've neglected our responsibility as adults and parents right to the educators the youth groups the you know and we're just like all right, you know, you take them, give them everything they need, and, you know, that it does them a huge injustice. We need to be pouring into them. And, you know, we do see that on the smaller percentage, you know, side right. of successful people, right? Their parents also were successful in business, and you see them educating their children, pouring into them, and it begats success, right? So I want to help turn that and shift that back to empowering the people that maybe didn't have an opportunity. Right. You, you used the magic word exploiting because when we hear exploiting we think of it as a negative connotation. To me it's a positive connotation. You should not exploit anyone else. You should exploit yourself. Hmm. And this is we don't teach the self anymore. We always teach what we do for others and how we enable and usually that's not really exploiting you're enabling others to become handicapped to become reliant and dependent on someone else. We don't teach people today, it seems, from my perspective, um, and maybe it's skewed because I'm 72 and a half years old, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, when you were a kid, you said, yeah, I'm four and a half. Remember that? Yeah. No, I'm not back to that. I go 72 and a half. They, people think I'm nuts, but I, but, uh, I am nuts. What, who am I saying? Who am I kidding? But, you know, we, we don't teach... Parents don't know how to teach their kids to exploit themselves because they're products of what? Of a system that says, help others, do this, do that. Well, they're not doing anything for themselves. If I help someone else and at the same time I'm wasting my time in not improving my position, I eventually will wind up where they are. Now, that, that, I, that doesn't mean that you should not give to the poor or to the starving. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean that at all. I mean, but when we... Stop exploiting ourselves. We enable others to be enablers. 
and we all lose it in the long run. Is that yeah. wacko thinking, or do you are you on the same line as that? Well, I mean, think about it. If you have a hundred dollars to your name, you know, you've got you know stuff that you need to spend it on, whether groceries or whatever. Maybe you only have, you know, five bucks to give somebody else. You've only been able to help that one person. Right. But if you come to a place where you're like, well, I need I need to have more than a hundred bucks in my pocket, you know, then you actually make that conscious decision to, you know, make more money or do whatever, then you'll be able to help more people, right? So it's, it's like you're saying, you know, the more that, that th- there has to be a point where you say, it's important enough for me to focus on acquiring more, you know, money and whatever, so you can have a greater impact. Because really money is a tool. It's an inanimate object. It just depends on what we decide to do it, right? right? We're going to have to stop for break because we're late and I'm getting hounded by our board operator. Uh, But really, the government wants the opposite because the government is saying if you're an employer and you employ people, you're exploiting them and their talents for your personal good and you should be punished for that. Our government is saying you are wrong. You are evil, okay? So since you're so evil, would you mind sitting there while we break for station identification, Mr. Evil? Okay, hold on, Iron. Thank you very much, folks. We're going to be back in just one moment. Do not go away. You're listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Political talk derived from a historical perspective. Not always palatable, but good food for thought. Pure libertarian talk with host Joe Cristiano. LibertyTalkRadio.com. Express Test is your go-to company for on-site occupational health testing services. That's right. We sit on-site. That means we will meet you at your facility for a free health and occupational safety consultation. Express Test specializes in hearing conservation, respiratory protection, and employee safety. We can help you establish viable programs tailored to your business and employee needs. For your free consultation, call 918-743-2929 or visit us at ExpressTest.com. That's 918-743-2929 or ExpressTest.com. Do you find yourself asking, what did you say? Aaron Cristiano of Ranch Acres Audiology has over 25 years of experience helping patients just like you. Hearing requires conservation. We need to be aware and we need to be responsible for our own hearing health. Understand more with a little help from Ranch Acres Audiology. Call 918-749-7711. That's 918-749-7711 to learn more. Steve Harden of the Harden Insurance Agency has over 30 years of experience designing family insurance protection, including retirement planning. Call 918-488-0024 or go to hardenagency.com and request a free in-depth estate and retirement evaluation. We look forward to earning your trust and helping you meet your life goals. This isn't your typical talk radio show. This is Liberty, Liberty Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Joe Cristiano. You're listening to Liberty Talk Radio. And with us, we have Aaron Janda. And he is among a generation of creators and influencers and entrepreneurs. Uh, His book we're discussing is my $100 project. It is converting people from thinking that they have to be subjects of the system and being in business for themselves and becoming entrepreneurs and self-reliant. I, this is a book. This is the most valuable book I have ever read, folks. And I do encourage you. By the way, where do you, where can they find the book? 
Right, so uh, it's actually going to be launching this Friday, but you can still pre-order. Uh, you're going to want to go to my100dollarproject.com. So my100dollar.com, okay. My100, just spelled out, my100dollarproject.com. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep, and then they can pre-order it there, and then we will be have we'll be uploading the eBooks onto Amazon within the next week. Okay. If you're listening to the show, however, I want you to email me Aaron at my hundred dollar project dot com, and I will send you a free eBook copy of the book pre-release. Boy, you, you can't beat that. It's free. That's what I love. You know. Okay, uh, Aaron, um, where are we today? Who who's your target right now? Now you mentioned overseas, and you know what my reaction was. Wait, before you cross the Pacific Ocean, you know, sure. or the Atlantic Ocean, uh, you, you don't even have to cross the Arkansas River. There's plenty of ta- there's plenty of challenges right here in your own backyard. Am I right or wrong, or did you find yeah. that offensive? No, you're you're completely right on. I think when we think about even you know overseas, I spent some time in the Philippines. I've been into you know Mexico and and Africa and so I've, I've, I've experienced and I see a lot of the challenges you know in some of those places but you're right on I mean we have so many challenges right here I mean my plate could be full for the next you know four or five years just targeting you know young people in the US so I do believe you know I have quite a task on my hands and you know uh, uh, hey, you can spend the next six months with just the people in the studio. <laughs> They're going to kill me after saying that. You know that. I probably will not make it to my car, but go ahead. So, no, you're, you're, you're completely right on. There's definitely a lot of work to be done here in the U.S. And uh, so that's why, you know, I want to really focus my attention on the uh, youth, young adult, even college age. You know what I mean? From, from 14 to 25 you know, I'm 33, you know, so obviously it's not limited by age, but I really want to, and I will, I've actually connected with several, um, you know, people in the city here um, with some schools that are, you know, wanting to bring in entrepreneurial type speakers. And so we're working on scheduling some stuff, you know, and I'm talking like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, um, where they're actually required to start a a business. Oh, I see. Okay. So. Well, you're, you're sort of fighting the matrix, aren't you? <laughs> because it was the whole makeup of, of our whole society really doesn't think that way. And it, it just appears that the higher-ups really don't want us to think that way. They want us to be more dependent rather than independent. Because if everyone was independent, boy, they wouldn't have much control over us. And control is the name, the name of the game with government. It's, it's always been that way. That's why government grows in Washington's, the boundaries of Washington, D.C. continue to expand while everything else contracts. I mean, it's, you know, I, I know it sounds hypothetical and conspiratorial, but that's the, that's the way it goes. Uh, in, teachers, by and large, are very obedient people. I know teachers in my family, wonderful people. But in, so obedient to a fault, you know, if the higher-ups in education said one and one is 2.67, they would say it was 2.67. I mean, that's how obedient they are. And it drives me nuts because they're not really free thinkers. And what you're asking people to do is be a free thinker. Aren't you flying smack in the face of the way things are going? You could probably, if you want to look at it like that, yeah. I mean, at the turn of the century and in the industrial age, the purpose of public school was to to basically, like you say, to sit in a desk, follow instructions, you know, not make any mistakes, uh, you know, which is 
very opposite to what an entrepreneur does, right? You, you're getting out there. You're putting yourself out there. You're taking risks. It's okay to make mistakes, uh, you know. So, so the 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 way that we've you know been brought up over the last hundred years does not promote what you're saying exactly. Entrepreneurialism, free free thinking. But here's an interesting thought. Everything happens in cycles, correct? Mm-hmm. And so you could take somebody 18, let's say they get a job from 18 to 24, 25, you know, so jobs are good in the fact that they teach responsibility, they teach all these disciplines, and, you know, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But I personally believe that in everybody's life, there's going to come a point where they could actually take what they've learned and launch themselves out and provide right. a good or a service, a business. I mean, that's how this bi- this country was really, uh, you know, come to what it's become in a positive way is that entrepreneurial spirit, starting businesses. You're from New York. You know all the little shops. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. You know what I mean? So, absolutely, yeah. Um, there comes a point where they could actually launch out on their own. And mm-hmm. so, yes, we do need employees. We need to people to do the work. But if it's a constant cycle going through, then you're, you know, people are working to a certain point, then they launch out and then, you know, and then they start a business and then it just cycles. And then we're constantly cycling employees through. They learn the, the discipline, the, right. the responsibility, and then they launch out and you just But create. you know, employers, and, uh, many employers or people outside looking in say, well, you don't want employees to do that. Uh, just like in our, in our, um, uh, our citizenry. Uh, the government wants dumb people because dumb people follow orders and believe all the crap in the books that, the, that are given to them p- picked by some government bureaucrat for the kids to learn by. So when you think about that, you know, you're, you're getting a selected book selected by a bureaucrat that you have to memorize and that becomes gospel. And in most cases, it's not even true. We still think that Columbus discovered America. I mean... How narrow-minded could we be, you know? There have been people coming to America for hundreds of years before Columbus, but we discovered America. That's an example. But um, in in this case, and and entrepreneurs, in many cases, not business owners, um, perceive that you want to keep the employees not too smart because they may catch on that they got a crappy job, you know, and they can go someplace else. And the reason why I know that is because I have an occupational health testing company. Now, we're the biggest in Oklahoma now. And we go to, geez, every factory in Oklahoma, Arkansas, and in South Kansas. And when you go there, there are few good companies. In fact, there's one company that is so beautifully run, I often said to myself, if I ever ran away from home and I wanted a place to live, it would be in their bathrooms. Oh, wow. I'm not kidding you. Their bathrooms are uh, uh, Italian tile. Every time I go, well, I don't go there anymore because I'm retired from it now. I just, I just run the company from the behind the scenes, basically. I have people running it, you know. But I used to go there just to go into the bathroom. It was just gorgeous. Now, that was part of that empowering where people were, and, and the employees were very, very positive. They were very, very nice to, to work with. And it seemed that they had an empowering mechanism. What you're saying is that we can go a step further than that and say, hey, not only treat your employees well, but make them think and make them think out of the box, even if it cost them their job. But it really won't because if the employer was listening, they would say, that's a good idea. We can not only make pipe, but we can do this as well. Mm -hmm. And you never know where that's going to take you 
And if you're good to the employees, they will take the company and bring it more forward or f- further on than you can as an owner. Absolutely. Am I delusionary or, or what? How's no, that going? No, you're exactly right. That's that's it. Only it only it's only a catalyst for growth. I mean, the company that they work for is going to grow. I mean, if they go out and start their own company, that's going to facilitate growth, create more jobs. So again, it's just a snowball effect of where it can only be better you know can only increase um yeah yeah and i i see this so often uh i went to one company uh one time and uh the very first person that we had tested uh was the sort of the quality control manager he was pretty good pretty high level guy you know and he was in charge of quality control and we were talking in our te- we have testing trucks you know i was talking to the testing truck and i because they had a quality control manager, I thought they'd have some quality control. And I was talking about some of the horrors that I've experienced in some company. That is, a, I won't men- mention the name of the company. It is a Fortune 500 company, okay? And, um, and uh, um, we're talking, and I had mentioned, I said, you know, one key that I have found through the years, you know, and this is when I was trying to grow the companies many, many years ago. I said, the way I evaluate and uh, a company is by the men's room because mostly the 95% of guys on the, on the floor are men you know and and I told about this one place that I if I ever left home I would I wouldn't want to live in this this men's room you know the yeah. bathroom you know this, this company is so beautiful and then forget I had to take a break and go to the men's room it was the most oh and he told he talked about his quality control and his um, um, how they were going to empower the employees. And I said, boy, this must be some company. I had not been inside. I went inside that bathroom. My God, I wouldn't go. I, I actually left and, and went down to the uh, convenience store. I, I, that, that's how bad it was. It was so bad. Everything was black. It was the most disgusting thing in the world. And I thought to myself, how does this comp- country, company do what you're suggesting. They're doing the exact opposite. They're subjugating people to dirt almost and while you're empowering them. I mean, the, the, the contrast is just phenomenal. And there you have a Fortune 500 company that doesn't understand that and neither does our school system. you got to fight on your hands, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah. Well, and like we were even talking about earlier about the multiplication, right? This only propagates growth and increase. Yeah. That's the power of multiplication. So, you know, even in my book, you know, the goal I set is measurable. You take 100 or t- 10 or 20, but I mean, I'm focusing on starting with 100, turning it into 1,000, right? But the cool part about it is once you reach your goal, you take 100, what you started with, right. you take 100 out of that with a copy of the book, you give it to somebody else, and you empower them to do the same right. thing. So even at a young age where it's all about me, me, what do I, you know, and just, you know, going out there and getting whatever I want. It's actually it's 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 pointing them in a direction where they're actually learning to invest in others as well, and so it's it's that simple you know pay it forward model, right? Mm-hmm. You've done it now, you empower somebody else to do things. Mm-hmm. There's not enough people empowering others. To but do you it. know, when you come to the end, when I when I see like my granddaughters and stuff like that, you know, you go to their room and what do you see? Toys. I mean, literally piled up. I mean, some on the bottom they haven't used and seen or touched in three years. And if you think if they just took their room and said, okay, I'm going to convert this to a vault, 
you know, a money vault, you know, they can go out and with their dollar or whatever it is, you know, and and say, hey, you want to buy this, you know, and they can trade that for money, use that money to bring us. I mean, they can literally make a a living eventually out of the toys that they have if they start you know, they're starting very young. The toys that they have in their bedroom, that's probably going to wind up in a garage sale somewhere because because you want to get rid of the stuff when they move out. And yet we have these opportunities, but the parents don't see this. Is your market really the entrepreneur or is it also the parent of the prospective entrepreneur? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So this, this book, I believe it needs to be in every teenager's hand. So, you know, I really am, uh, you know, uh, reaching out to, you know, parents, uh, teachers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, they know they have nephews and nieces and, you know, kids, grandkids that could take something like this and totally run with it. I absolutely believe that we need to, you know, I mean, most of the kids aren't probably going to hop on my website to buy this book. It's going to take, an, you know, I mean, I've got people that are coming to me, business owners are wanting to buy boxes of 100 just to give away. Absolutely. They're like, yeah. I want my kids to read this. I want, right. you know, so we're actually, I mean, we're in the process of developing a, um, an education platform online so we can set out a path for them, so to speak. So they start with 100, they take it to 1,000. Then they pay it forward, so they've invested into somebody else. They also need to reinvest in their own learning and education, right? So then, then we'll take them through a six-block course, right? right? That they'll invest some money to take the course. But you're teaching them all these key concepts and principles about investing, you know, into themselves, into others, and eventually that's going to multiply. You know, that's good. That's so your your market really is direct market is really not. The young person, it is really the parents. So we're changing the paradigm. You're telling, you're asking the parents, get out of the matrix. Start yeah. thinking for yourself, right? I mean, right. you're really doing. Right. That's what you're doing. Is right. you're 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 anti. You better be in trouble. They're gonna kidnap you and throw you away in the garbage can somewhere. <laughs> and I'm gonna go with you. You know that. But really, you, your target audience is really the teachers and the parents. Those people responsible for the entrepreneurs for tomorrow because if they're teaching that to their kids eventually they're going to say hey wait a minute my kid can do this i can do it also and you may change this book may change society as we know it no seriously it could be that powerful that would be quite humbling (laughs) (laughs) no i I, I, but i can see that but because what i see is i see teachers and and i again i'm not being negative towards teachers but teachers are a product of our school system which is very very you know black and white true or false you know pass or fail um it 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 doesn't require much of thinking you got to have a passing grade and if you don't do well and your parents uh, have money you know you're going to pass the kid anyway i mean the whole system's it just it's convoluted but this is pure that this this has the uh, cause and effect right if if you do well you're rewarded if you don't you change what you're doing to make it work and this is what requires thinking and study at the same time um uh, you know I, I think back of all the stuff that i had when i was young that I could have sold for a profit, but never did. Mm. Too bad this book was not put out 65 years ago. You're just a little bit too too late on me. Um, um, When people come up to me and they go, I'm looking for a job, I I go nuts. 
I go, what do you mean looking for a job? I said, there is so much work out there and no one's doing it, you can make a fortune. And here's one example that I gave. And I gave it to someone who's in the studio. They're going to kill me afterwards for saying this because they hadn't done this, okay? As I said, fine. I said, you, you have a rag, yeah? And you got about 10 bucks. They said, yeah. I said, go out and buy that spray stuff that cleans the, 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 the lights, the, the lights in the front of a car. You know, it gets foggy. They sell stuff. I said, put out a flyer in your neighborhood. Just walk door to door, go around saying, I'll, I'll make them brand new again, charge $25 each. I said, you, you'll, you'll, you'll take over the neighborhood by storm. You'll, you'll become wealthy for just, do, I'll be borrowing money from you. But that's the same process, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And it's a good thing you brought that up because there's literally hundreds of thousands of different ways that oh, yeah. you can implement this, this process. I mean, I was just talking to actually one of the, the people that helped with the book the editing is reading through it and they're like oh my goodness you know my my husband uh, you know needs uh, a hearing aid of sort right but the one that he wanted is like three thousand bucks right my wife's an audiologist <laughs> i know that stuff yeah you're okay. right they're very expensive okay so then but so what he did is he went online he found one for 75 because he's been doing the research he knows kind of like i knew electronics he knows his stuff because he's been doing the research he bought one for 75 he knew he could turn around and sell it for like two or three hundred bucks so he yeah. started doing that the next thing you know now he's got three pairs of those expensive ones and he's probably he's made over ten thousand dollars so you know it's it's all a matter uh it does take time effort you know it does take some sweat equity to you know to make this happen but it's going to pay off so much more yeah. in the long run you know yeah. well uh, uh, 20 years ago, it would have been a little bit more difficult. But today, with the Internet, where you can put it on Amazon or all these online services, um, and they, you can post them for free, and then they, I guess they take a portion or whatever they do. You know, they're all different. Um, so it's easy. I mean, you, you have the world at your disposal just by posting what you have for sale. And because the world is at your disposal, there is someone out there who needs that uh, that gadget that you have that you have absolutely no use for? I can't tell you how much garbage I have in my house that I would get rid of it in New York. I would throw away, but I really shouldn't. I should post it online. But maybe someday you come over to my house and show me how to do that. Okay? Here's my yeah sure. <laughs> Here's my golden tip of the day. Actually, I heard somebody teaching on eBay, right? Selling on eBay, and uh, one of the things they said is, okay, this is what I want you to do. This is your goal. Take everything you think nobody would want pile it up and just start posting it online. I yeah. mean, you're talking half bottle of perfume. Right, I mean, yeah. you're talking used <laughs> shoes. I mean, you just, you name it. Pile it up. The stuff, especially the stuff you think people wouldn't want to buy. And post it. It will sell. You know, and yeah. you know, and you just do it until your pile's gone. The next thing you know, you've got, you know, several thousand bucks in your yeah. pocket. Um See, I really would be wealthy if I could only get my wife to, to post the 135,000 blouses that she has, oh, you know? Yeah. Well. Now, she actually, actually has more than that. I was, I was being modest, you know? But I, now, tell us, how do we, uh, as, as someone who, who will read the book, My $100 Project by Aaron Janter, and you can go to Aaron Janter? Uh, so the website is, uh, oh, is the, my, yeah. my hundred dollar project. project. Um, we, I, we come up on the first page on being, uh, if you search my $100 okay. project, that's right. easy. We're still working on the Google page, but, uh, um, yeah, so my hundred dollar project, 
Um, you can email me directly, Aaron at my hundred dollar project, right. and uh, and then you know, especially if they want that free ebook. Um, but then they can actually sign up for updates on the website as far as when we're going to be speaking, what workshops we're going to be doing, um, when we roll out, you know, the education uh, courses and whatnot. So yeah, and you know, folks, sometimes you know, we I get sent books about once a week that I have to read. Many of them are 385 pages long, miniature print. I mean, there's technical analysis in there. I mean, you, you, your brain hurts by, by page 10. And I, I do wind up reading most of them to the end, but they really are arduous. I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of time. The beauty about this is that time is, is your could be your enemy, you know. But this doesn't take much time because the process is very, very simple. You give examples, and you can read this in one sitting or two sittings, yep. you know, casual yep. sittings. Yep. And I and I found it very enjoyable. I think it's a gr- well-written book. Now, who is your target market, and how are you marketing them right now? Right now, um, so I actually just uh, spoke down in Dallas because uh, again, this is hot off the press pre-release. I just finished fulfilling all my pre-orders. Um, which was great too. We we probably pre-sold you know over a hundred copies. Great in a short period of time. Um, so we just got those out. I just spoke uh, down in Dallas um, for a virtual summit of young entrepreneurs. Oh, that's wonderful! Uh, it's uh, and that's at lifestylerightsummit.com. Um, so that's going to be launching on the sixteenth. Of course, you know different uh, events and 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 things like even with yourself, you know, here on the radio, we're um, we're we're pushing it, and we're connecting with, like I said, schools right now to get in. We want to teach the workshops, um, and uh, of course, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, and all those venues. So, um, but with this virtual uh, this virtual summit, and then with the online courses coming out soon, um, we're going to have a really strong marketing push there as well. So. I, I have a crazy question, okay? okay. Uh, most of my questions are crazy because I think I'm clinically insane, but that's another story. What about going, hey, no laughter from the uh, board over here, the board operators, you know, uh, please, all right? Um, uh, but um, what about the unemployed, people who are on unemployment lines? Should this not, should you not be outside the unemployment office, you know, saying, you know, X, whatever the cost of the book is, you know, that you want to pay for it, well, it's $5, five you bucks. know. Hell, they can afford it. They're getting bongo bucks on unemployment for doing nothing. You're saying, get this book, you won't have to go back in there anymore, and you can make five times the amount of money, five bucks. Yeah. I mean, would, would that be an insane idea, or would that be a, a, something that would be viable? No, I think that's a I think that's a great idea. And actually, we're, um, we're going to have an ambassador program uh, and I know it kind of touches a little bit on what, you know, we don't want to just give everything away. No, but no, at the no, same no, time, no. there are people that don't even have five bucks in their pocket. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm actually putting together about um, 12 ambassador, uh, project ambassadors is what I'm going to call them. And it's basically, you know, people that own businesses, uh, people like yourself. Um, if they really believe in the project, they can actually buy a box of 50 books or whatever that we can actually go out okay. and donate and, and yeah. different things hey, like that. I have a suggestion. Another yeah. suggestion. Okay. I'm br- I tell you, I'm brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I surprise myself I'm so smart. But how about, how about giving these to people who cannot afford it with an envelope inside, self-addressed 
a stamped envelope saying when you make your first hundred dollars or whatever the the the, the, the market is, I just mail me the five dollars. Wow. I like, yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Another Come brilliant, on. another brilliant hey, idea. Unbelievable. Okay, now, excuse me, I got a Charlie horse on my leg again. I don't know what's the matter with me. What's I, going on? The, I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. You know what? Because I'm, I readjusted the chair and I'm sitting in a different position, and my my legs are not used to it. <laughs> anyway, we are about out of time. We have about another thirty seconds or minute to go. So I'd like to leave this for you to close out. Okay. Well, I just want to thank everyone that's tuned in today. I'm super excited about the project, uh, my $100 project. Um, follow us on Facebook, like our page, uh, get behind it. Again, I want you to email me. I want to hear your stories. Um, there are several people that have already uh, bought copies to give away, um, and so I'm, I'm anxious to see the results and hear the results. Um, you can email me directly, Aaron at my $100 project. Dot com with questions, concerns, thoughts. If you need help with ideas, I mean, there's so many things out right. there, um, you know. And that's part of part of my goal with the course is to, you know, once they've started getting a little traction, then we can say, hey, now start looking at this, that, or the other, and really just give them help with their ideas. And soon there will be a my hundred dollar project club. And it'll go international. I can see this going international. Where people belong to the club and they have a little membership card that they are ones that did it. And they become your ambassadors. And that's how it, it multiplies itself. I can see this changing the world, by the way. Awesome. And I applaud you for it. I want to thank you so much for being in this program. I hope you enjoyed it half as much as I did. Absolutely. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Oh, <laughs> my, my pleasure. Okay, folks, this is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends, but let us hear from you. Our email address is comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, as my wife would say, you're either allowing your liberties to be taken away or you're strong to protect them. Unfortunately, folks, there is no middle ground. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned.